Hello, test, test. There we go. Apparently the mute was on. Welcome this morning. Grab your Bibles. We're in Hebrews chapter 13. And before we do that, we are going to dismiss our kids down with Mr. Freebel. Have a great time this morning, guys. Look at them go. How come when I do kids, there's about 30 of them and Aaron gets four? What's going on here? <laughs> Have a great time this morning. Hebrews chapter 13, we are at the end of the book of Hebrews. Somebody say amen. We have accomplished something here. Um, and it's always exciting to be in the last verses of a book that we have completely walked through. And um, I hope you agree with me that this has been just a powerful series, the book of Hebrews. What, what an amazing sermon this entire book is. And uh, I hope you with us value walking through verse by verse the truth of the scriptures in a book like Hebrews. You guys value that? Isn't it a, a wonderful thing? And I just want to say that that is really a passion of ours to be a biblically grounded church. And I, I don't think I can overstate that for you this morning. We met in an elders retreat this past year, and we prayed, Tim and Mike and I, and Mike Becker was there with us, and we asked the Lord what would be our, our focus this year going into 2017. And the thing that the Lord really shared with us, the thing that we concluded, the thing that we resoundingly said together as a leadership team was that we want to be biblically grounded. Does that sound simple? It's not. It's, it's, it's something that is so important because what we understand to be true is that God's revealed word to us, God has spoken to us in the power of the truth of who he is and who we are and how we relate to him and how we relate to others comes from his word, amen? And, and listen, it doesn't just come from us taking neat new ideas about life and pithy, pithy kind of like just life sayings about how to, how to do well and how to achieve and how to overcome and then proof texting scripture on top of it to make it sound good and to tickle people's ears so that numbers of people come and just listen to it. That is not us at all. How many of you are grateful for that? We believe it takes work to study and to learn what the word of God really says. What is the truth of what, not what we're bringing in our ideas and modern culture's pithy sayings about life to scripture and throwing verses on top of it, but what does the word of God say to us? What truth rises from the scripture that can transform and change our lives? That's our passion here at Renovation Church. And I have to say this, and he hates it, which is part of the reason why I'm saying it. But Mike Maisie, our elder, one of our elders, has pulled himself from the marketplace to focus on leading us theologically and in the word of God. And he has brought to us that leadership as an eldership team and as a church, and I want you to know that we don't, in many ways, because he doesn't, take this lightly. 
It's a big deal. And uh, I'm grateful for it. It's, uh, it's a powerful thing for us. And I want you to know that's our passion going forward. We're going to preach the word of God to the best of our ability. Amen? So Hebrews is closing today. And I want to read those closing statements. And then I want to kind of quickly jump back to the beginning of Hebrews. But listen to this. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 through 25. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation. For I have written to you briefly, you should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. Amen. So he says, I, I'm exhorting to you. The author of he, Hebrews is exhorting to us in these final words. Listen to this exhortation. He's appealing. I appeal to you. And really what we see in the book of Hebrews is that if you read it in its entirety, and really it's meant to be read all together, um, from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 13, this is really in essence a sermon. This entire book is a sermon preached to the people that this author is preaching to. And, and it's such an incredible sermon. And, and one of the things that I can't get over in reading the first verses in the book of Hebrews, if you have your Bible, it's not going to be on the screen, but I, I want to read it for you. If you jump back to the beginning, the first couple of verses really answer for us one of life's biggest questions, right? I mean, we live in a, a culture and in an age that's very, very postmodern. Has anybody heard that phrase before? Really, postmodernism, which which has, has, has been birthed out of modernism and, and the, 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 the philosophy of the day, the philosophy of the culture is, is secular, it's humanist, and it's postmodern. It's, it's really this idea that it's, it's skeptical about everything. There's no really way to know truth. Any kind of exclusive claim to truth would be wrong. You know, and, and we often point out the, the intellectual inconsistency of that statement, right? To, to exclaim that no one can, can have a claim to truth is really a claim to truth in and of itself. But that, that seems to be the view of today and the folks that we interact with and the folks that we know. We, we can't know. We can't know truth. In fact, if you believe what you believe, you can believe that passionately, and it's led to an idea in our culture of radical individualism. Is, am I right? It, which is really untenable as we live amongst each other, this radical individualism. However I feel about myself and what I believe and who I am is, com is complete truth just because I feel it. And however you feel is completely true just because you feel it, but somehow our truths can't, can't say that the other truth is wrong, which is impossible. But it's, it's confusing. People are confused, lost. And so the question that our culture is crying out for is, is there anything that informs us of how we should live and who we are? I mean, why do we even have dignity? Why do we even treat each other with respect? What is right? What is wrong? Can anybody say what's right and wrong? Somehow I feel like things are wrong, 
But in, in the modern philosophy of today, I can't feel like anybody's wrong because they get to believe their own truth. Am I right? How confusing is that? The people most passionate about women's rights and human rights philosophically believe that they create their own truth. How could you look at another culture and tell them they're wrong if they treat women poorly? It doesn't make any sense. And so there's confusion, and, and people are okay with the confusion. That's a postmodernist. It's okay. We can all be confused and inconsistent. It doesn't matter. We need truth. We need someone to speak truth. And where does it come from? Does it just come from a society? Does it just come from a person? And who informs us as to what's true? Is there something greater than us than tell, that tells us who we are and how we're supposed to live? I love the first verses of Hebrews. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke. Amen? God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Amen. John chapter 1, he is the word become flesh. In Hebrews, he is the exact imprint of the Father. You want to know who God is and who we are? We get to look to Jesus. We get to look to the Son, and he has spoken. It's remarkable the book of Hebrews starts like that, that it's, it's about Jesus, but as you recognize in this entire book, it never quotes Jesus. Quotes the Old Testament and brings all of that to bear to describe for us who Jesus is, the exact imprint of God. Amen? He's spoken to us. We've walked through this book. He spoke through the prophets, and now he speaks through his son, the exact imprint of his nature. As we've walked through this book of Hebrews, we've seen in chapter 1 that Jesus is greater. Amen? He's greater than the angels. Jesus is the founder of our salvation. He's a superior and total fulfillment of the Mosaic law and covenant. And, and he, is, he has executed a new covenant by his blood, which we just read in chapter 13. That's in verses 3, 1 through 10, 18. Jesus is the great high priest, as in the order of Melchizedek. That's in chapter 4 through chapter 10 and chapter 7. Jesus is better. Amen. And then chapters 10 through 13 cry out to us, encourage us, plead with us to endure, to hold fast in our faith, and to not shrink back, but to draw near to Christ. Amen? What an incredible sermon the book of Hebrews is as God speaks to us. He's spoken. We get to know. We don't have to walk around confused. Amen? So then it brings us to the closing. And he tells us more about this Jesus. Hebrews 13 again. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is the exact imprint. He's better than angels. He's the high priest. Jesus is our great shepherd. Amen. What does that say to us? Jesus, the great shepherd. It says we're sheep. Amen? We're sheep. You're a sheep. I'm a sheep. 
Everybody is a sheep. <laughs> it, doesn't matter. it doesn't matter who you are. Trump's a sheep. Clinton's a sheep. Everybody's a sheep in need of the great shepherd. Amen? You're a sheep. I recognize my sheepness. <laughs> and I accept it. I accept my sheepness and his shepherdness. And it's something each of us, as we're informed by the word of God, should accept. And we should think about it today. What does it mean that he is the great shepherd? I think it has huge implication for us. Turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. He speaks to this in Peter. The great shepherd... 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself, he bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Amen. Jesus is the great shepherd, and we are his sheep. And as Hebrews 13 says, may the God of peace who died for you, whose, whose blood was shed in the eternal covenant, and we're going to talk about that very soon in the, in the new covenant, he is the great shepherd. And 1 Peter in chapter 2 tells us that, that this great shepherd has laid his life down, has shed his blood for his sheep. By his wounds, I'm healed. You're healed. So many of us wandering around. How many have ever felt like that before? Wandering. I remember feeling like I was wandering. I remember in life, times, and maybe you're there today. Maybe you've been there in the past. Maybe there's going to come a time in the future where you're just wondering, what, what am I doing? As you wander through life, as you go from thing to thing, as you go from season to season, from uh, career to new career, or school to, to college, and you're thinking about, where am I going? What am I supposed to do? The one thing we're informed from Scripture about, from the book of Hebrews, and as we look into 1 Peter, is that Jesus is your great shepherd, and that he's laid down his life for you. He's a great shepherd, and he loves you, and his wounds have healed you. And there is something that we can take from this, that we can take heart in the midst of our wandering, that I'm a sheep who, because I'm in the fold of the great shepherd, I'm not going to fall off a cliff. I'm not going to wander in the thicket and be stuck and starve to death, but I am in the fold of the great shepherd who loves me and who has saved me and whose blood was shed for me. Amen? We get to know that today. John chapter 10, go to John chapter 10, I'm sorry, first, before you go to John chapter 10, turn to Revelation chapter 7, Revelation chapter 7, verses 16 and 17, and take a look at this, they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, the sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd he will guide them 
to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen? You live with a good shepherd. As you wander, the scorching heat won't, won't take you out. He'll lead you by paths of water. Now, now let's be careful. God's shepherdness over your life, the great shepherd's um, of rule over your soul isn't to make you wealthy, it isn't to make you famous, it isn't to give you all the things that in your flesh or in our humanness we desire, but in the midst of life, in the midst of heat, in the midst of difficulty, he will take care of you. He will lead you to living water, his word, that will, that will change you. And I want to talk about that right now. Why does he do this? Why does he do this? Why does he shepherd us in this way? Go back to Hebrews 13 and look at it. So the great shepherd over your souls by the blood of the eternal covenant. Why? To equip you with everything good that you may do his will. Amen? The great shepherd who laid down his life for you who shed his blood, the blood of an eternal covenant, is going to equip you with everything. What do you mean everything? Everything good that you may do his will. Isn't it great that the good shepherd is leading us into his will for our lives? Amen? He's guiding us as a shepherd into his will for our lives. Dads, are you tired, some of you? I've been preparing for a men's retreat that I have to do next weekend. I've been reading up on this and listened to some stuff from some communicators. And I was so encouraged by a word from a pastor down in Texas, the Village Church. His name's Matt Chandler. I'm so encouraged by some of his words. He was communicating to men. He looked out in this audience and he said, I'm provoked primarily by the men here. And he, and he communicated to them this. Why are you going to bed so strong? Why are you going to bed with so much energy? That God has called you to go to bed tired and wrung out for the glory of God into your driveway after a hard day's work to the glory of God. Come in the house, check on the heart of your wife, and serve your family, love your kids, get on the floor and play with them, pray for them, tuck them into bed, spend some more time with your wife, check on her heart some more because God has put the weight of her being released and growing in her gifting on the shoulders of the men. Go to bed wrung out to the glory of God. Why? Because then there's no room for you to get involved in dumb stuff that jams you up. A bored man is a dangerous man. you say, I'm going to burn out. No. Because 
He's the shepherd of your soul. You get your strength not from vacation, not from too much free time that gets you in trouble, but you get your strength from the shepherd who will restore your soul. He is the shepherd of your soul. You get your strength from Christ. Amen? If you need to sit in your driveway and pray, take a breath after work and say, God, how can I go in and serve my family because I'm exhausted? then Christ will restore your soul as you serve your family and you serve the church and you do your work to the glory of God. He will be the good shepherd who restores your soul because only Jesus is the great shepherd and he is the only one who can restore your soul. Amen? How many of you go on a vacation and come home completely exhausted? I love leisure time as much as the next guy. I love laying on a beach as much as the next guy. I love coming home, feeling as if I've earned just some time to watch The Walking Dead with no interruptions. <laughs> right? God has not designed us for a bunch of free time. He's designed men, and I'm quoting Chandler here, to make war. And, and we're punting on it. And we're trying to, to restore our souls with all sorts of other activities, with Netflix and Facebook and the internet and leisure time and free time and, and golf or whatever it is, and it's not going to restore your soul because Jesus is the good shepherd who will equip you to do his will. And as you do his will, he is the shepherd of your soul, and you will be renewed and restored. And you won't have time to get jammed up online looking at stupid stuff and ruining your marriage in your lives he's the good shepherd he will restore your soul amen and he's equipping us to do his will that's what he's calling us to amen the good shepherd will lead us to pastures of, of water that living water same living water we see in Psalm 1 which is men and women delighting in the law of the Lord. You want living water? Get the word into your heart. Get the gospel in front of your face. Spend time at the feet of the cross, letting the sparks of the reality of the blood of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ fall off on you and spark out on you and, and get into the word of God. Spend time in his truth. Delighting in the law of the Lord is the living water where Jesus will lead you so that you're refreshed and you're restored. Amen? That's what he's calling us to. Be here. As we get into the word together, be uh, among groups of Christians in someone's living room as we do missional communities together. In your, in your own devotional life, commit to the time to get near living water as the good shepherd leads you in his truth that will restore your soul. Amen? Seven Steps to Living Whatever maybe is a good book, but it's nothing compared to what God's revealed to us and who we are and who we're supposed to be. Amen? He, he leads us through streams of living water. He's our great shepherd. Look at John chapter 10, verses 14 and 16. John chapter 10. These are Jesus' words in the midst of declaring 
some stuff that really ticked off the Pharisees and confused folks. Jesus, again, articulates this in John chapter 10. Look in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. For there will be one flock, one shepherd. Amen? He's the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep, and his blood was shed. His blood of the eternal covenant. We've got to think about that for a moment. I by no means have the time this morning or probably the capability this morning to completely articulate the significance of that statement. But here's what we know, is that this great shepherd, and there's debate about how many covenants there are, right, Ethan? <laughs> I can see Ethan back there. I know he knows this. <clears throat> but as we look through Hebrews and we see the covenant with Moses, and we see the shedding of blood, the sacrificing of animals, and blood shed for atonement of sins and recognition of the law of Moses and what pleases God, what is his pleasure in terms of what is best for human flourishing and how we behave with each other, is that was laid out in the Mosaic Covenant and our complete falling short of that in our sin, requiring atonement and salvation and sacrifice in the shedding of blood through the sacrifice of animals in this covenant that reaches really back to, to Genesis. Um, and now we see this covenant of the law in Moses. We see Jesus ultimately fulfilling this in the new eternal covenant as his blood was shed once and for all for our sin and he sits down at the right hand of the father amen and he makes by his blood an eternal covenant with us that declares to us that we are forgiven and accepted and justified not because of anything we've done but because of the sacrifice of christ this is really good news. And now we get to live into this through the grace of God and the shed blood of Christ. We get to, as Hebrews says, not only is he going to equip us to do his will for what? Read the next part of that verse in Hebrews chapter 13. To do his good pleasure. He is going to write the law of God on our hearts. And because of the grace of God, we're going to begin to desire to live in such a way that brings him glory and brings him pleasure. Amen? That's what he's called us to. The grace of God through the shed blood of Jesus, of the eternal covenant, has been made with you, not just to forgive you, not just to declare you justified and not guilty, so you're accepted into, into the presence of God, but it's also to equip you to do his will for his good pleasure. Why? For his glory. Amen? He is going to be glorified through us as we live into this new covenant because of his shed blood that enables us to do his will. It equips us to bring him pleasure and bring him glory. And ultimately, at the end of everything, the whole purpose of this is him being glorified in the world. Amen? And we get to be a part of that. 
Man, that, the significance of that, eternal covenant, his shed blood, equipping us to do his will for his good pleasure and to bring him glory. If you have been wandering around as a sheep looking for purpose in life, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? What's the point of all of this? And what am I supposed to be doing? Look at the word of God because he has shed his blood and made an eternal covenant with you and is going to equip you to do his will for his good pleasure and his glory. Amen? I don't know what else you got going on this week, but that's pretty good. Right? I mean, what else are you doing this week? What do you got to do? I'm going to hit Kubal. I'm going to get some coffee, usually at about 2 o'clock. I'm going to stare at the massive chocolate chip cookies and pray for strength. <clears throat> Every day. <clears throat> and in the midst of my Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, life, God's Eternal covenant with me has justified me and is empowering me to do his will for his good pleasure and his glory. Amen? How do we do that? How do we do that? Jesus, how is it that he is our shepherd? How is it that he, this historic Jesus, is our great shepherd? He's our great shepherd because he's alive. Amen? Because we see in Hebrews chapter 13 that the God of peace raised him from the dead. Can't wait to talk about that in a couple of weeks. Jesus, the historic Jesus was crucified, his blood was shed, and the God of peace raised him from the dead. He's alive, and his blood, his shed blood, has paid for the eternal covenant of forgiveness for all who receive him. Amen. Why did he do that? Why did Jesus come, die, shed his blood, and was raised from the dead? Why did he make this eternal covenant with his blood? We see it in Luke. We see it in Luke chapter 20, verse 22. I'm sorry, verse, chapter 22, verse 20. As Jesus is at the Lord's Supper... And he raises that cup and he prepares them for this. And he says, this is the symbol of my blood of the eternal covenant. It should be shed for you. Why did he do this? Why did Jesus, the great shepherd, lay down his life and shed his blood? John chapter 10 gives us some insight to that. He's bringing his sheep into his fold. Amen? Maybe you're here this morning and you, with the premise, if we can all agree on it, that we're all sheep. Maybe you're here and you're not in his fold. Maybe today you're thinking, I'm a sheep who's wandering around shepherding myself, trying to figure out where I belong and what I'm supposed to do. And even if you're here this morning and you are in his fold and you're a Christian and you've recognized that Ephesians chapter 4 provides some insight into the fact that, that he makes us sheep. I mean, he makes us shepherds as well. 
that, that they're, in the Old Testament, leaders were described as, as shepherds. And in the New Testament, we see in Ephesians chapter 4 that there are under-shepherds, that, that pastors shepherd and care for flocks, even though Jesus is the great shepherd. And you say, you know what? I'm hurt. I've had some shepherds that were not good shepherds. Shepherds that, you know, I, sometimes I, I loathe to, to look at the papers and to see the next guy that's going to fall or do something stupid or, or fall into idolatry or morality or drug use or something's going to come out and you see shepherds fall, you see shepherds that were abusive, ab- abusive in, 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 in their power and the exercising of their, uh, of their authority and, and you recognize that in the midst of the church that some of the flock has been hurt. If you're wandering around alone, in danger of that sheep falling off a cliff or walking into a thicket or being eaten by wolves outside the flock, or you've been in the flock and hurt by an under-shepherd, and you're, and you're dealing with issues of trust and security, the Word of God declares to both of you this morning that Jesus, He's the great shepherd. Amen? He is the great shepherd. He is the great shepherd. He is going to lead you in a way that you won't be scorched by the heat, in a way that you will be brought to streams of living water, in a way that you will be provided for, and in a way that you will be equipped and enabled with everything that you need to do his will. Is that good news this morning? So as Hebrews has declared, Jesus is greater. So hold on, persevere, because not only is he greater, not only has he called you to persevere, but he is your great shepherd who's laid his life down for you and whose blood of the eternal covenant has secured for you the ability to be a part of his flock. And he will lead you by streams of living water and he will protect you and he will guide you as the great shepherd in your life. So please look to him. Look to his truth because he has spoken. If you're wondering what's true, God has spoken. God who created everything has not left you to wander around on some speck of dirt flying through space in a meaningless way. The God of the universe who created you has spoken spoken and revealed himself to you and has revealed that he loves us, that he saved us, and that he is our shepherd and he wants to work in our lives towards his purposes, towards his pleasure, and we would through that bring him glory. Amen? God has spoken and his truth can be known. He's revealed it in his word and he secured you through his blood of this incredible eternal covenant, a God who always makes good on his promises, a shepherd who always comes through. When his blood was shed and that covenant was made, it will happen. Amen? We have a good shepherd. We have a great shepherd. If you want to know that shepherd, you can be brought into his flock and you will become one of those in John chapter 10 that knows his voice. When you hear it, you'll know he's calling you. Some of you today have been hearing it. 
And maybe you haven't taken the step to be part of that fold. And as the truth of God, not from me, but from the scriptures and from the great shepherd is calling to you to be a part of his flock, my exhortation to you this morning, my pleading with you this morning would be to listen. Listen to his voice and rely on the great shepherd completely with your life. Amen? Maybe you need to take that step. If you've never taken that step before, we want to pray with you. Don't leave this place without someone praying with you. Maybe some of you who have been a part of the fold have been listening to a lot of other voices. And, and you've been drowning out the voice of the good shepherd with a lot of other stuff that you think is going to restore your soul. And I'm here to tell you from the word of God this morning, the shepherd of your soul, the only great shepherd who can restore your soul is Christ. And as his sheep listen to his voice, you will know his voice. You will know the truth of his word and walk in it. Lean into it. My heart breaks as we were talking to the men, but for everybody who knows these things, have, has heard these words, and you're not living into it, you're not leaning into it for life and relying on it. And the shepherd is calling you today to listen to his voice and let him lead you and guide you. You don't have to wander around on your own. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. That we get to know truth. Help us this morning as we've listened to your word to, in our hearts and in our minds, respond to it. Help us re to respond to your voice. Help us to get to those places where we set the other voices that are so loud in our lives aside and we tune in as sheep to hear the sound of the great shepherd's voice. Help us, Lord, as we are brought by streams of living water through your word. Change us. Draw us closer to you. Thank you that you are the great shepherd. Jesus, thank you for your blood that was shed for this eternal covenant. Thank you that our soul is restored, not from leisure or entertainment, but our soul is restored because of the glad acceptance of our Father made through the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.